Antonio Rivera. You okay? Yeah, we we're not gonna be able to get this going because Susie's on the freaking phone with the speakerphone. Speakerphone on. <laughs> I don't care. This is not a professional setup anyway. <laughs> Why speakerphone? I don't understand the speakerphone situation. Mm, she might might have her hands busy petting the to- the dog. <laughs> okay. Are you ready? Are you sure you want to do this? I think. Yeah, I man. Think nobody cares. So, so yesterday, James Van Hook texted me and said, "Podcast this week." I said, uh, "Next one will probably be sometime in 2020." He's he's definitely gonna give me a call or a text in the next. He's I, I bet you money he's gonna call me in the next 48 hours, 24 hours after this is released. Yeah, and say ah, ah it wasn't good and sucked. Yeah, you should have talked about this. Stop yeah. being so negative, yada yada. And this is. Number 52. So, this is a potpourri. Pop- pop- how do you say that word? Huh? Potpourri. Potpourri. What about potpourri. that? Just a mix of all kinds of stuff. Hodgepodge. Hodge what? Hodgepodge. Hodgepodge. Yeah. Here we go. Okay, so potpourri, a mixture of dried petals and spices placed in a bowl or a small <laughs> sack to perfume clothing or a room. Okay, potpourri, potpourri. <laughs> potpourri means it's just a mixture of all kinds of shit. That's I what I remember growing up in Spanish-speaking speaking world. So I yeah. apologize for bringing in my Spanish her- heritage into the uh, the conversation. Anyway, it's Hodge Fodge. Hodgepodge. <laughs> Hodgepodge, or a synonym, synonym is a assemblage. Assemblage. Okay, assemblage. we're going to talk about a lot of different stupid stuff. Yes. That makes no sense. Is makes There's no rhyme or reason. No. There's no topic. No. Yeah, a couple of mini topics. But I don't think people care about the podcast, dude, because four <laughs> weeks, the last four, this sounds very negative, but listen, Imagine the that. last podcast was number 51, and it was on October 30th. Mm-hmm. So now we're looking at November 27th, four weeks. Why? I have been begging you to do podcasts. <laughs> You're no. such a liar. <laughs> well, what have you been up to? Talk to us. What have you been doing? There's been a lot going on, man. I mean, the this Black Friday situation is just very stressful. Mm-hmm. Dealing with certain vendors is very stressful, <laughs> especially those that live in Europe. Um, it's just, it's just been a stressful time. It really has. It's just been, you know, like today is dead. Yesterday was dead, wasn't it? It was kind of popping, but not a whole lot. But that's because nobody's buying anything because they, they're they're waiting waiting until Black Friday, which I don't blame them for. I would wait too. They're waiting. It's so close. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to name the vendor, but I was texting with them today and they said we didn't even go in the office because there was nothing to do because people were just waiting for Black Friday. That's another vendor. That's not the European? Different vendor altogether. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, they're they're good to deal with the vendor you're talking about. The yeah. Euro, the, the European vendor. <laughs> anyway, enough of that. Um, so we we've been having to get geared up for Black Friday and doing all these things, right? Mm-hmm. So let's see what have we been up to? What I have been up to in the last four weeks since uh, we did the last podcast? A lot, a lot. So my my Nitro Kraken is fully up and running. Yes, um, running well too. I have taken it to the flying field officially three times, although uh, one time I think I had an issue. I couldn't really get it to fly, but um, I've flown it like at the field. 
um, the backyard a couple times, but at the field twice mm-hmm. since then, uh, which I think is quite a bit considering the amount of flying I'm putting in lately due to many different yeah. reasons. But no um, got probably about 20 flights on it total, total mm-hmm. since mm-hmm. day one, and I'm really, really, really happy. Yeah. Um, one more time, kudos to Scott Graham for the idea. It's Correct. a great idea. Yeah. Awesome idea. Yeah, great idea. It kind of got me like motivated to fly nitro a little bit again because nothing against the Black Thunder is a great machine, but it's like it's it was just the Black Nitro, sorry. But it was it's just it's you know what a three year old design. Whatever yeah, it is. like we've been looking at that thing since 2016, so it was cool to look like a different airframe that still had like the same feeling per se. Yeah, yeah, and it's good to have something new. Yeah, like always nice. Yeah. Um, Granted, I do not have the production version because... Kind of. Sort of. We made small changes from your version to what people have now. Yeah, but it's 99.9% the same. Mm -hmm. Um, I was too lazy to cut the the needle needle tuning hole in the canopy. So for all of you listening, if you don't have a nitro conversion, but you have a Kraken, to turn it into nitro after you change the frames and put the engine and all that, the fuel tank and everything else... You have to cut one, two, three, four hole four. You have to do four cuts in your canopy. One yeah. for the muffler, yeah. which is obvious. Yeah. One that is not essential or required, but it's recommended is at the very bottom, mm-hmm. which allows for circulation of air, so the fan, the fan shroud fan can spit out air down the bottom. Mm-hmm. I did those two, mm-hmm. and then you're supposed to cut one up top for your starter wand, so you can start it whatever with the canopy on. Yeah. I didn't cut the proper little slot or little oval-looking hole. I just cut the whole thing off. Yeah, <laughs> me too. And then, uh, and I did not cut the circle. Uh, there's like a little round hole you're supposed to cut so you can access the needles. I didn't do that either. Yeah, I don't know if I should do it or not, but I fly it without the canopy more than with it. Right. But I'm very, very happy about it. I, I I'm not a fan of the OS 105 engine myself. What? I've never been. Why? 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 I just died. I my good old Nitro days was an OS ninety one HDR, and then when the OS ninety one Speed came out, that was my favorite engine. Mm-hmm. But then in two thousand late two thousand eleven, when I joined SAB, um, and I left the line, uh, I stopped flying Nitro. I I was in the outrage for those of you that have been in the hobby <laughs> for long enough. I was in the outrage <laughs> team for a very short period. We were trying to improve some things, and then company just decided to close and we all got let go but so i did fly an outrage helicopter i think in the year 2012 like a 90 size with an os 91 mm-hmm. but then after that i went 100 percent goblin so they didn't have a nitro until what three years ago so i never flew nitro mm-hmm. for years and years like i don't know how long is that like six years five years mm-hmm. but um and i gave away the two os peats that i had i give them away i just Why? i told you i i don't hoard stuff you you're a hoarder i'm not well, when it comes to OS 91 speeds, yeah, man, you got to hoard those. Uh, what happened to yours? Uh, want to know the story? Yeah. <laughs> Here's an update on it. I sold it to Kyle Dahl for about $100. I texted him yesterday if he still had it. He's like, I don't know. I'll look for it. I'm like, what? You're sitting on a gold mine, dude. Come yeah. on. In my eyes, that is the best OS engine ever produced for 3D flight. Yep. And yep. Uh, it's not a forgiving engine. You can run it lean. So if you don't know what you're doing with tuning, don't even try it. Mm-hmm. But if you're comfortable enough tuning, it's the most powerful. The question is where to find it. If any of you guys know of someone that has one, <laughs> please, I'm that serious, yeah. email me because I will buy it and I will pay top dollar for it. And Bert, 
B-E-R-T, at Kammerer, K-A-M-M-E-R-E-R, dot name. Email me. and let, Don't Facebook me. I don't check Facebook often no. enough. Email me. I check emails 27 times a day. But we're not looking for the 3C version, the 3D. The 3D version is yes. called the OS Speed, 91 Speed, HCR Speed? HCR Speed. Or yeah. H something Speed? Something like that, yeah. 3D version. It's yeah. a black crankcase. Yes. If you have one of those, yeah. whether used or new, yeah. if it's used, I don't care if the piston needs work. I, I yeah. don't. I don't care as long as the sleeve is in good shape, and uh, yeah. and the crankcase is there, and the yeah. carb is there, and yeah. the, I, I'm buying it. Or sell it, it to me. Or please. if you guys know where to find a sleeve, because we can find all the parts except the sleeve. Yeah, if you guys find a source to buy a sleeve for this particular engine, that would be very. Just shoot shoot me an email or yeah. Kyle, yeah, and uh, let us know because we're really we're really interested, and I yeah. think a lot of people. It's sad because, like, we're going to talk about the hobby going down mm-hmm. in this episode a little bit. A little bit. We're not going to dwell on this or make it a negative episode, but right. we're going to discuss that a little bit. But part of that is the nitro situation. The nitro situation has just gone to shit. Yeah, you can't get pipes. Yeah. Whereas back in the day, you could get Hattori's and uh, what was that pipe that I used, we used to fly when we were flying for Heli Wholesaler? Funtech. Funtech Hattori. Um, OS had just released their new pipe. Obviously, Hattori uh, yeah. was the most popular. There was a muscle pipe by Curtis yep. Youngblood. Yep. There were there's more. There's more pipes. Yeah, there was a lot. There, I can't even remember all the pipes. There was like yeah. six, eight different options. All of them are great. Oh, well, yeah. Reason. Now the real only options are uh, uh, the the OS Power Boost and Matt Bodos's Pro um, Tune pipe. Yeah, and. You can get the MRCI, which is a really nice pipe, but it's not easy to get by here in the U.S. Right. Um, that's it. That's all you can get. Yeah. It's pretty sad. Um, pretty sad. And the only, time like, f- like, motors. Like, the only OS motor available is the 105, commercially, new in a box. Right? Yeah, for a while, you had the OS 91 varieties. You had one that was, like, regularly aspirated. Like, in other words, you used the muffler pressure for it. You had one that was like pressurized, like what we're running today. You had one that had a pump. The pump was the terrible. Pump, the pump was terrible. But there was another option there. And then you had like the OS varieties and the Align varieties, which were basically OS engines with the Align badge on them. Yeah. So there was always like supply. Like supply was greater than demand. Yeah, yeah. Now demand is way greater than supply. You can't mm-hmm. find switch clothes very easily. Nope. Uh, if you want, like, you know, something convenient to start your, you know, to light up your glow, glow plug, you can't find it easily. Mm-hmm. You can't find starters easily. Mm-hmm. Um, if fuel, it's, you know, rotor rage, which in my eyes is the best fuel money can buy. You know, most retailers are selling it for almost $50 a gallon. Yeah. It's tough to get. It's tough to get. So- or you can do the, the cool, sorry, the cool power that, you know. Well, it, it, it's okay, but it's, I don't feel like it's at that level. It's, yeah. it solves problems. It, it, in other words, it solves the problem of not having fuel because <laughs> it's more available. Yeah. But yeah, it's nitro has just terribly gone down. So yeah. anyway, if you can have an engine, if yeah. you can find a source for an OS beat, I'm buying it. Yeah. Just shoot me an email. Yeah. Um, you fine. can be, you can be rude and overcharge me. And it's as smart. long as it's not like stupid, like burned up. Yeah. Yeah. And as long as it's not like ridiculously overcharged, then right. I'll still pay for it. Yeah, yeah. And if you find two, then let me know as well because I need one as well. It's time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah. you already have a source. Well. Anyway, what else have I been at, up to? I've been flying the nitro. We went to, and this this pertains to YouTube. We both, you and I, Kyle, went to our 
Mm-hmm. RC Surface team manager's wedding, James Feinhook. Mm-hmm. Congratulations. He married his nine-year-old relationship, Amanda Evans. Yes. So happiness to both of you. That was cool. Great time. We went to Savannah for this wedding, and we had a great time downtown the night before the wedding. Ooh, yeah. well, we got hammered pretty good. <laughs> thank, thanks. Thank God for Uber. And uh, and then Sunday, the wedding was Sunday. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was a good time. Yeah, good time. It was a lot of fun watching them get married and hanging out in Savannah. It was a it was a party down there, man. Savannah is awesome, man. I love yeah. that place. Yeah, a lot more great. than I was expecting for sure. Cool city. Cool, cool city. Yeah. What else? Anything good? Uh, no, just the daily grind of work and how fun. I haven't even rode my bike. Rode last. Friday out to dinner. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Nothing else. No, I haven't really done much. Why? Just, what you got in mind? It's just been a while. I'm Is there something that you know that I've done that I haven't no, mentioned? No, I'm just saying it's been three, three, four weeks. There has to be something notable. I haven't even been playing guitar a whole lot, so I haven't been even improving uh, uh, much of my flying. So hmm. yeah, yeah. Well, uh, my. Uh, Past looks about the same as yours. Uh, I've been flying my Nitro Kraken a little bit. I was flying mine up until now with the Scott Graham frames, uh, but as soon as the conversion kits came out, uh, I picked one up and switched to the production frames, as well as I'm currently in the process of switching to a Spartan black pit, uh, sorry, a Spartan magnet sensor because my Spectrum backplate sensors keep crapping out. So switching over to that, uh, I just got some uh, fresh new V bars for some new helis to put in. And uh, just kind of getting stuff ready for the winter bash one fly in the 2020 season. A lot of wrenching. A lot of wrenching. Yeah. Wrenching on my stuff. I bought the new 700 electric for you. Uh, a lot of maintenance work lately. That's really yeah. about it, though. Just working and wrenching and flying here and there and then watching James uh, get eloped. Mm-hmm. Married. Whatever. Whatever you want to call it. They got married. They didn't elope. Same thing. They anyway, the into their relationship. and talking about James, he's another one that just uh, reached out to me a couple days ago, and he was very happy about his new OS ninety one speed. <sighs> this freaking guy got a brand new, same engine him. we've been talking about, brand him. new OS speed in the box, never I run. Him. I hate him so much. With like seventeen airplanes to go along with it, and like three transmitters and some other things, and RC cars, and like the whole package of some dude that wanted to get rid of it all for four hundred bucks. He he also got a new inbox Aurora ninety. <laughs> bucks over <laughs> for like four or five hundred bucks it was stupid yeah but so what's your story um that's it just wrenching on stuff what getting i don't have a lot man it's been a slow four weeks just been oh, working getting ready i'm seriously if it's been so slow why haven't you like been around here so we could do podcast uh i've been like i said begging you to do podcasts <laughs> and you've told me to leave so no, just, to leave. It's a full shit. Oh, another thing. The buddy. The goblin buddy came Oh, out. yeah. You should talk yeah, about that. So what, what do you think of that thing? Uh, See, there's a lot more. You don't make notes to remind your refresher man. All right. Whatever. Explain. Explain. Uh, the goblin buddy. The new 380 size machine from SAB. Uh, it's kind of just a restyling is what they call it of the original goblin 380. Uh, Enrico changed some stuff. It's got a new frame set, a new canopy. Uh, the new frame set's kind of cool. It moves the battery tray up, moves the ESC up, moves the CG up a little bit. It's got regular style landing gear, so it's a little bit easier to take off and land, and just a fresh new color scheme. And a very uh, interesting name, the Goblin Buddy. What do you think of the name? Do you think it? Do you think it suits the model, or is it kind of bizarre? Mm. 
let's explain the idea behind the name. Yeah. Yeah. Go, I, on, go ahead and explain. Yeah, this, this is worth it because a lot of people are going to wonder this. Uh, so you know, how much, you know how much shit like people have given us over know, this thing? I know. So we got to tell them the whole story. So when SAB approached the both of us about the name, we were both like, uh, no, please don't. But <laughs> yeah, right away. <laughs> yeah, please do not do this. Please call it the Goblin 380 V2 or something. But their idea was uh, the buddy is your buddy. You take it everywhere you go. You can fly in a park or your field. It's it's, it's your little buddy. You take it with you everywhere. And we tried to come up with different names, but uh, it ended up being the Goblin Buddy uh, 380. So uh, it's it, it's different. Uh, every comment <laughs> about the buddy online has been about the name. Uh, that's the only negative comment I've seen so far. I guess people do like the new frame design and the canopy. And but the, why the buddy? The why? Explain why. Because it's your little buddy. You take your little buddy with you. If you're going to the park with the kids, oh, I'll be right back, honey. I'm going to go fly my buddy. Or, you know, it's just something you can take with you everywhere and, and practice your flying with, I guess, is the idea. Really? Yeah, that's what I hear. What are you typing over there? What, uh, what, what kind of name did you suggest to him? Because it asked for suggions. It said... Uh, <laughs> well, it was suggestions to follow the same theme. Well, because your little friend to take correct. Because he he when we told him flat out like, buddy, are you are you, buddy, are you out of your mind? <laughs> and uh, now every time I call my dog, I think of a freaking helicopter. This is freaking wrong. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> we told him you gave him yeah. options. Yeah, one of them that I thought was kind of cool was uh, not cool, but at least better than buddy was sidekick. Sidekick, the, the goblin, goblin sidekick. Yeah, yeah that would have been sidekick. cool. I yeah. think it would have been better than buddy, but I mean. The Goblin Amigo, the Goblin Pal, the Amigo. Goblin Friend. I don't know. Well, Amigo is like Italian for friend, so that would have been like... That would have made a little bit more sense, right? Yeah, but... I mean, it is what it is. Um, it's okay. I like the scheme. Uh, it flies a little bit better than the original 380, in my opinion. Uh, I definitely like the landing gear and all that, so... I don't know. It's a cool upgrade. It's available now from uh, BK Hobbies if you want to get one. Uh, they're selling out quick, so if you do want to get one... You should probably snatch it up while you can. Yep, I agree. So do you like it? Yeah, it's fun. But, so... so <laughs> tell people what's different about it. I already did. No, but like, in flight. Oh, the in fly, flight. The flying the fly field, is it different? I mean, the only notable thing in flight, at least in my opinion, is just the landing gear. Because takeoff and landing, you're not landing on the chicken That's legs. Pathetic, or, so or it flies the, the same. It does fly better because the CG is higher, but like the most noticeable thing is takeoff and landing because you're not landing on the little frog leg, chicken leg things, you know? So, I don't know. It's cool. It's fun. Right? You haven't flown it yet. You don't want to fly it. But, I mean, you and I both don't really... What do you mean I don't want to fly it? I told you I want it yours. Well, you can have it. I just don't want to build one. The thing is, though, is like anything smaller than a 570 just does not really interest me. Really? Yeah. I just, anything smaller than a 570. Eh. But the 380 overall flies better than, like, say, a Fireball. Like, it, I would well, say yeah. better. This is more stable. It's a bigger machine. Yeah. But, I don't know. I think it's just, I like bigger Hellies. 700 is where it's at. Mm. You think? You don't agree? Oh, for me, hands down. But the thing is, it's been so long, dude, since I had a little machine like that. Mm-hmm. Like, I had a Fireball. I played with a Fireball. But 380, ever since, like, we're just watching, coincidentally, today, the video that I did with Pablo when we first promoted the Goblin 380, the original first ever Goblin 380 ever made. Yeah. Um, and that was January of 2015. So, come to think of it, like, I flew that thing for months, maybe a year or whatever, and then I stopped flying it. And then I literally gave it away. I think it, I gave mine to Gator. 
<laughs> I had like two or three. One went in super hard and got destroyed, I think. Then there was one that I think I flew a Goblin Day in Germany that I also destroyed, plowed in, goodbye. And I didn't even rebuild that thing. It was just pieces. And then the third one I gave to Gator. And then so I didn't have a 380. I just kind of just lost interest in the small stuff. But I, it goes, comes and goes, right? It so just it's like the, over time. The 380 just doesn't fill a void that either of you or myself have. It's not like we're going to drive home from work and find an abandoned field and go fly the buddy. Like, exactly, exactly. It just doesn't fill a void yeah. that you and I need. One thing that I want to mention, though, if you guys are considering buying a buddy or uh, a 380 size machine, um, I saw our good friend John Cook. Uh, he shares a lot of stuff. He made a post on his Facebook, and he recommended the BK Servo 3001 and 3005, uh, 3002 models. Do not use the 3002 model. If it's not too late mm-hmm. on a on a body, you do not nope. want to do that. Nope. That servo only has about forty five to fifty ounces of uh, inches of torque. That is not enough, and that's mm-hmm. that is an eight point four volts. That is not enough for that mm-hmm. helicopter. That mm-hmm. is an ideal servo for like a small like a oxy two fireball. or a, a fireball, a mini comet, and yeah. things like that. Do not put that servo on the unless you're just hovering and maybe doing a little bit like putt putts around like. Like hovering like forward, flight. forward flight and stuff Probably like fun. that. Yeah. Maybe like some rolls and a loop. Like that would be the maximum that I would put that servo on. Yeah. You want, if you're looking at BK servo, you want to get the DS3001 series. Yes. And uh, um, if you're using another brand of servo, just at least, just for sure, make sure that you get something that gives you at least, I would say, 60 ounces, 70 ounces, something mm-hmm. like that. At just minimal. to be safe. Yeah. Just to be totally safe. If you're, if you're planning on doing 3D. Yeah, that is. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. What anyway, else? so that's enough for the body. Yeah, the booty. The booty. What so, else you got going on? What else happened to you? How's your girlfriend doing? She's good. She's good. Yeah. She's coming down for Christmas, which would be cool. And my mom is coincidentally coming down for Christmas. So be the first Christmas actually for myself in eighty degree weather. Nice. And Very no cool. snow. So yeah. be fun. Where are you going? Are you disappearing for Christmas? Or you don't know yet? Uh, we have a couple of plans, but we haven't sealed the deal yet on either go. one of them. There you go. We want to take the camper down to the Florida Keys because it's nice and warm, but all the campgrounds are always booked like a of year course. in advance, so we couldn't get anything. Probably expensive, too. Yeah. Well, cheaper than a hotel by a long shot, but still, like, well, they want, like, 100 bucks a night for a campground. Not yeah. cheap. Yeah. Very expensive. So... As we record this, this is Tuesday, November twenty sixth. No, it's Wednesday, twenty seventh. What are you? Thinking? Oh yeah, sorry, I looked at the wrong date. November twenty, November twenty seventh, twenty seventh. Uh, the day after tomorrow is Black Friday. Yes, and BK and tomorrow, tomorrow, yeah. Thursday, Thanksgiving. Yeah, Happy Thanksgiving, by the way, everyone. Happy Thanksgiving. Yep. Tomorrow at nine p.m. it begins. Yes, the BK Hobbies Black Friday sale. Do you want to talk about it? Like what we're doing? Are you really going to do a shameless plug? Yeah, it's okay. All right, do it. Okay, so starting uh, tomorrow at 9 p.m., we have the Black, uh, BK Hobbies Black Friday sale going on. We are doing, we allowed to talk about what we're doing, or do you want to surprise everyone? You already, we already posted it. Okay, mm-hmm. so we're doing 10% store wide and 15% off BK Servo and Switch Blades. Yeah. So. And it might not sound like much, but keep in mind, you're still accruing points. Yes. And points are more or less, if you know how to use them wisely, mm-hmm. points will give you more or less 5%. On yeah. top of that. Right. So And the beauty in this is there's no coupon necessary. You just log on the site and boom, the boom, prices are already changed. Yeah. Just yep. go to the website, place an order, done. Yeah, done. Your yeah, whole yeah, prices will be already be, be, be reflected, yes. Yeah. 
So it'll even show you the old price, show you what you're saving per item and all that. And, and, uh, for certain loyal customers, we might have a surprise. Perhaps. We'll yeah. see. We'll see. Make but, sure that you're yeah. subscribed yeah. to our mailing list. Anyway, <laughs> uh, also, we're going to send in a random gift. It could be something as dumb as uh, a pen or, yeah. uh, uh, I don't know, a paper clip. Or <laughs> it could be a t-shirt. It could be, yeah. yeah. We're just going to throw in some cool stuff. So check out the BK Howie's website. Um, if you do want to backorder items, they are backorderable, like BK Servo, SAB Kits. Uh, X Nova Motors, stuff like that is all backorderable. Yes. If we run out of the item that you want. Yeah. We are going into this with a very decent amount of stock. Probably mm-hmm. the most stock we've had all year. Correct. So you should be able to get any kit you want. You should be able to get any blade you want. You should be able to get any servo you want. Mm-hmm. Any X Nova Motor you want. But. However. Yes. If we do run out, say, because you don't go to our website till Sunday, mm-hmm. and there's, say, a certain type of motor that is not available, mm-hmm. you can click on that and order it. And you can get the full 15% or 10% discount, depending on the product it is, plus the points, and then we'll ship it to you upon arrival. Yes. Also, be sure to uh, check out the clearance section. That's actually live right now if you want to look at it. We have a lot of huge discounts discounts on some old stock, uh, some discontinued parts from SAB. uh, Parts that still people might need. Yeah, yeah. It's still current stuff. It's just like, like, for example, it's the shiny black stuff, not the matte black stuff. Yeah, so, so like, like give people an exact example of, like, let's look at a part. Just, I don't want to dwell on this whole topic, but very yeah. quickly, because people might think, oh, they're getting rid of their junk. No. Not really. Um, so, here's the classic example. So, we have, um, let's see here. Swash plate set black matte. Why is this discontinued? No idea. Wow, that's crazy. Why did that take us to... Anyway, I bet you it was replaced by something else. We'd have to look it up. Yeah. But a lot of these parts that get replaced with something else are still perfectly usable. Um, like Kyle said, SAB, for example, is a classic example. They did uh, shiny shiny black anodizing mm-hmm. for a long time. And then they started doing a, a matte black anodizing, which is what the Kraken has and the Thundersport and all that. Mm-hmm. So for the longest time, you could buy a shiny black swash plate, uh, aluminum looking swash plate and a matte black swash plate too much they they got rid of the the shiny black there's a lot of things like that that are still very relevant and they work but huge discounts in this clearance section yeah there's cool stuff um so, yeah so older, check it out older motors perhaps yeah just go into uh bkhobbies.com and then you'll find a clearance link on the upper right hand side of the screen you can't miss it yeah so yeah Cool. What do you think? What do you want to discuss next? We have some mini topics. We have some more shameless plugs we can do. Um, let's talk about. You want to talk about Byron Fuels? Another another shameless plug. The Byron Fuel shameless plug has to do with the shameless plug above it. Above it, so let's knock them both out. About which? The, the Byron Fuel shameless plug yeah. has to do with the one above it. So okay. Okay. We'll, we'll do together. those later. All right. All right. So get started. Get started. So, mini topic. Mini, mini topics. topics. This is called Back in My Day. Who were your heroes when you were getting started and why? Tell us stories about those old dudes. Want me to go first? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, back in my day, I had... Zable. I had four heroes back in my four. day. Four. No, no, no. Don't lie. Start from the very beginning. Very beginning. The Which, earliest memory you have, because you start finding you probably don't have recollection of when you started, but okay. the earliest memory you have. Okay, so my very first hero, this is going to sound very sappy, but my first hero was my dad, because I've flown with him since I was two. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. 
After that, the first you wanted to fly like him, and then after a couple of years, you realize, yeah. oh, he sucks. <laughs> <laughs> my dad was absolutely my hero, still is to this day. Yeah. Uh, went flying with him since I was two. So um, after that, uh, the one and only Curtis Youngblood. Of course, yeah, Curtis is. There's a picture of you with Curtis, yeah. and yeah, 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 yeah. Still to this day, Curtis yeah. is the freaking man. Um, yeah. He came to our event in Rochester, New York, several times. One of the coolest things I can remember is he used to wear this straw hat that said Radix Blades, and that's his blade line for the new people. Radix, yeah, yeah. Rotor Blades. And for the event, every year he would take it off, sign it, and give it away. And he actually gave it to me one year. So yeah. I still have it somewhere. i got to find it. But it was Curtis Youngblood for a while, and then uh, when Alan Zabel started being the cool dude around 2005, 2006, uh, with the Raptor 90SE. Uh, that was a lot of fun because I, I was flying Raptors at the same time. So he came to our event. And then later on, it was uh, this cranky old guy sitting across from me, Burt Cameron, around 2007, 2008. Uh, I started you're following a li- you a lot. You're a liar. No, I'm serious. You were Why? My, Why? You were my hero. Because your flying changed was very different from like Alan and Curtis. It was more smack and aggressive and like emotional, where Alan and Curtis were more like, I don't know, like big air, like no, by the book, more, more technical. By the book, yeah. Yours was technical like, back in the day and more like precise, more like square, yeah, more. And yeah. You came out and just beat the. You know, crap out of it every time. So, Bert and Bobby kind of had similar ish styles. Uh, so, Bobby Watts was definitely a hero because uh, his routines were always exciting with the tail slides and the innovative music and kind of skits per se. So, definitely Curtis, Alan, Bert, and uh, Bobby Watts were people I watched even to this day. You're a liar. What? Uh, everything I say is a liar. I still, okay. Well, thank you for the compliment. Yeah. That's cool. Okay, your turn. So when I first started, the first person I heard about, like, and mind you, back in those days, we had no Facebook. This is true. There was no Facebook. No YouTube, really. No. No YouTube YouTube at all, even. (laughs) No, YouTube didn't exist at all, period. Yeah, nothing. And there was definitely no Facebook. Right. The first person I heard about, um, because everybody talked about him, of course, was Curtis. Yes. And uh, I didn't get a chance to see Curtis in person until, like... Two or three years later, and by that time, I was like a little bit more advanced in my flying, and I wasn't a starstruck. But in the very, very beginning, like I would see like use VHS, like v- literally VHS videos of like Curtis flying and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. He used to write books, dude. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so Curtis was one, and then uh, Alan Zabel was the second one too that I looked up. That was like, whoa, I want to fly like that kid. Like yeah. that's insane. Um, and this is pre. This is still way back when he was still flying, like, way in the early days, mm-hmm. Raptors and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, again, there was no YouTube. There was nothing. And the video that I saw that kind of got me hooked on to Alan, it was like, Alan is, like, like a badass, was that uh, video that he did. He did a uh, CD or DVD, oh, instructional okay. DVD. Okay. Where, sorry, Alan, I love you, but Jesus, like, it's like, here, here's how you do a pair flip. <laughs> okay. Now, here's how you do a TikTok. <laughs> But, um, but I, I, and he did that video was produced by a guy by the, uh, they used to call him CPF, uh, John Prescott. I, I can't remember his name, but CP produced that, JP, JP produced that video. I know who you're talking about. You can and, see his face right now. Yeah, yeah, he did some videos with that guy too afterwards. But anyway, um, so Alan was number two. And then, uh, and then I was, and then, and then the first dude that I saw fly, and this is all this is all within the first six months or year of me flying. This right. is like two thousand four or something. The next guy I saw fly, the first the first pro quote unquote pilot at the time that I saw fly in person was Marcus Kemp. Oh, 
Oh, you know, Marcus was sponsored yeah. by miniature aircraft. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the Stratus was about to be released, and he had a prototype. Mm-hmm. And he came to one of our local events, Torches event, by the way. Really? But back in those days, it was at a different field. It was where they have this, there was a racetrack on the east side of town near a town called Bithlow, East Orlando. We used mm-hmm. to have another field there for years and years. And we had a little event there. The first, that was like a pre preamp. That was like a pre-OHB, like, I wasn't, I had anything to do with that, but it was like the club president at the time, Alex, he wanted to do an event, and he did it there, and and, and Tim Scunard, who used to own miniature aircraft in mm-hmm. those days, mm-hmm. brought in Marcus Kim, and Marcus did one demo, and then <laughs> left. Literally, I mean, they, they were, I think they were driving north to go somewhere or whatever, and then they just stopped, because they knew we had a fun fly, yeah. showed up, like, at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, did a demo, answer questions, hang with people for an hour, and then they left. Mm-hmm. But that was the first time I saw, like, up close and personal, like, crazy-ass 3D, which if I wish I could dig out a video from that flight, because if I did, for today's standards, it's as lame as it can be. Yeah. But for back in the day, Marcus was the shit. Like, he was yeah. the only one, because he wasn't as precise, perhaps, or as technical as, like, Alan and Curtis, but he was on the Dak man, mm-hmm. and he used to do pitch pumps so and low, man. yeah, yeah, so yeah, low. yeah. He was good. God. So that was my third hero. Yeah, and then I don't know what happened next. Then it was Kyle Stacy. <laughs> Whatever. Um, no, but that I think that was my third hero ever. Like, and then after that, you know, you start going to events and hanging with people, and yeah. then you just. It's not that you don't look up to their skills, you still do, but you kind of relate a little more like as far as like, okay, they're just a cool dude, I'm his friend. Like, yeah, I don't, yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't yeah. idolize them. You don't idolize them anymore. You yeah. look up to their skills and you're like, wow, that's badass, I wish I could fly that good. But you don't, yeah. you don't like you said, you don't yeah. idolize them. Yeah. No, you became my hero. Let me think, I'll yeah. tell you, there's a, there's, a, there's a time. There was a time when you, because when I got you, because I hooked you up. Thank you very much. Yes, with, you're you. welcome very much. Thank with you. Goblin. Thank you. thank you. No, you you got it yourself. I just made the handshake yeah. possible. Right. But when you came here that year, that was 2012, and you signed up with, mm-hmm. yeah, I, mm-hmm. I, you and your dad flew here. It was the month of March, <clears throat> March of 2012, uh, May, May of 2012. I remember because we had love bugs. Because <laughs> your dad drove my bike to the field one day, yeah. and it got plastered with love bucks. Love bucks is a different topic altogether. But that one time, after you were flying pretty conventional, you were good, no question about yeah, it. Yeah, it was basic. But you were flying like me or like Bobby or like Alan. Like, you were just doing your traditional conventional maneuvers. But then you went through a period where, like, you were doing sim, 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 like, four hours a day. Mm-hmm. And then you came because you used to come and stay with me for, like, a week or two and hang at the house or whatever. Mm-hmm. But there was a point in time, and I don't know if that was around 14, maybe? Mm-hmm. Could be. 14 or 15. Somewhere in there. Somewhere within those two years that your flying went from, like, convention, conventional Burkhammer, Bobby Watson, Zabel style to, like, Kyle Stacy style, like, wicked, crazy shit. Mm-hmm. And that was the year when we I helped you practice for... Um, the global 3D cup, uh, the 3D cup oh, in France. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. it was 2015. Yeah. So sometime towards late 14, it mm-hmm. was like boom, like you, your flying just changed mm-hmm. and went to the next level. And then you came, I think, early or maybe spring of 15, mm-hmm. and I helped you practice for the 3D cup in France. Mm-hmm. And at that point, you became like my idol because I'm that oh, serious. Because wow. like your flying skill just completely, you went from like. 
a traditional, good, solid, well-rounded, quote-unquote, pro pilot to, like, one of the best in the world. Well, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. It would not be without your help. Either, so that's my story. Whatever. That's <laughs> my story. I knew you'd say that. Move on. <laughs> that's my story. <laughs> we should make some honorable mentions, though, of people we did not mention, but still had a big yeah. impact. Like, uh, Well, there's a lot of people that I looked up to back in the day. Like, Bodos was one of them, actually, Bodos, Matt. Uh, Scott Gray. Uh, Scott Gray, absolutely. He quit the hobby, didn't he? He's moved on to UAV commercial stuff, and he's he? a full-scale pilot. Um, Jason Krause. Yeah. Jason yeah. Krause is a big one. Oh, absolutely, Jason. Uh, but see, when I I never got to meet Jason uh, one-on-one very well until I... I, I my the, the progress between me meeting Jason as a pilot and seeing him fly at an event mm-hmm. and becoming good friends with Jason was a very... Very happened very fast. Yeah. So I never had that like, whoa, you yeah. know, I want to go to that event to see him fly again. Like, because yeah. I met him, we shook hands and we hit it off and we became friends. So it was yeah. like, yeah. yeah, I looked up to him like because he was a badass pilot and an excellent designer. Incredible amazing, designer. Amazing, amazing. But I never had that like starstruck type yeah. of, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. feeling with him. Yeah. Jason's a funny guy. It's yeah. still to this day. I mean, I mean, it's crazy to think about this, but that T-Rex 700 from, what was it, 2008? <laughs> Eight 2008 years? design, yes. 2008 is still flown today, and it's still very well respected today as one of the best and, 700 uh, nitros. And the T-Rex 600 nitro, 2007. Yep. 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 First time the Align team flew it was at the Huntsville event yep. last week in April of 2007. Sure wasn't eight. 2007. 2008. June 2008, April at Huntsville, we were all flying mm. the... The, the 700 right but the year before oh, the 600 was the year before right the year before right couple because i saw marcus flying that and i saw jason and all those guys flying the t-rex 600 nitro that had not been released yet mm-hmm. and i was flying for miniature aircraft and when i went to xfc two months later in june mm-hmm. i told jason i want to join the team yeah well we don't have a 700 it's going to be a long time i said i don't care that thing is sick. Yeah, yeah, that thing was awesome. Yeah, yeah. it was a great machine. I had a yeah. few of them uh, throughout the years, and they were actually I still have it in my closet in my apartment right now. A fly bar. Yeah. T Rex. They're ugly today. Them. They look like shit anymore. Yeah, but at the but, time, it was but it's just sick. because things have evolved yeah. so much. You yeah. know, you yeah. look at a Kraken, it's like a Ferrari. It's got these mm-hmm. square, square, straight mm-hmm. lines. Like yeah. it's just totally different design. Yeah. But back in the day, and still functionality like performance wise they're still pretty freaking amazing i know yeah. i was just looking at the thing the other day it has a fly bar on it it's the uh it was had the one with the black head and the yellow scheme remember yeah. that one yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah man that thing was cool <clears throat> still fly i'm sure it could still fly today it has a gy uh 601 on it that's how old it is but there you nice go. any other mentions or are we moving on you have any other mentions? I'm trying to think. Uh, there Pete, was Pete Neotis, dude. The first two to do like pirouetting and reversing oh, stuff. Oh yeah, oh yeah. He was he was amazing. Oh my god, he was, he was amazing, absolutely yeah. incredible. Dominic Hagel, Daniel Jetson. There's so many. I mean, we could keep going on and on, but it would take up the entire podcast. But there's so many people who like changed the world for 3D. Honestly. Yeah. Yeah. This is true. Yeah. We keep going. And then actually, uh, I I don't want to be rude because I want to bring up some personal inf- like local influences, people that I really looked up to. Pete Campbell, believe it or not. Yes. Pete sure. Campbell was amazing. Uh, and I I'm sorry, Pete, I forgot about you. But if you if you ever even listen to this podcast, but Pete was a member of Torches back in the day because Pete lived in Orlando for years and years. Mm-hmm. Uh, super nice dude. His wife Debbie's amazing. Like mm-hmm. they're so good people. But Pete was badass, man. Piro yeah. Pete. He was Piro pirouetting. Pete. He could do anything pirouetting. Like yeah. now is, 
not to say it's not as impressive, but God, back then, man, we were flying like these <laughs> shitty gyros and shit. Yeah. And fly bars and Pure Pete was pirating his ass everything, off. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. Loops. Yeah. I mean, he would, he would take And I'll go to the field and watch yeah. him fly. Like, I'll see his hands, and then that's how I got the concept of, like, okay, you steer this way. Because the Alan Zabel video didn't do shit for me. <laughs> Just to tear this way, <laughs> you know, yeah, 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 it was cool, it was cool. Parapet, parapet. All right, let's move it on. This is and Beast, uh, Beast, Beast. One last mention Beast, Beast, man. Yo Bears Ford Davis, yo, man. Beast used to come to Florida all the time because he had kids in Florida, yeah. And like, he would come, we hung out at the Mulberry Fun Fly and a few fun flies together. And Beast was extremely helpful to me mm-hmm. in teaching me setups and how to make because I was flying nitro, miniature aircraft, ridiculously complicated, excessively high parts count helicopters <laughs> with old YS engines, the original yeah. YS engines, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or, or YS uh, 80s and stuff like that. Yeah. And, like, just all shitty, like, Futaba, like, 240 gyros and stuff like that. And yeah. Beast was, like, amazing at, like, he, I remember him spending hours with me teaching me setups and stuff like that. Oh, really? So, Beast, kudos to Beast, Beast, Beast. What I think, when I thought with my, uh, my run. <laughs> my last one real quick. When I think of Beast, I think of Henry Caldwell. Because Henry helped. Uh, Another of, influence. Yeah, Another influence, I, yes. He helped kind of form the pop and lock 3D style that is still very popular today. I remember seeing Henry Caldwell, and he's still around. I'm friends with him on Facebook. And uh, seeing it up, Clint, Clint Akins, who used to be uh, work for Castle Creations and prior to Castle. He was a team manager for miniature aircraft, and mm-hmm. he did the batteries, uh, fly, power. fly power batteries and all that. But anyway, he used to have a fun fly during his birthday at the end of January in Statesboro, Georgia. And I saw Henry for the first time there years and years ago. And Henry was like the the old version of Tarek, uh, Tarek Al-Sadi, in mm-hmm. the sense that he had these unconventional yeah, uh, angles so weird. and weird shit, and he would do these funnels where he changed the, the tail from, like, a clockwise funnel to a counterclockwise yes. really fast, and yes. did all these weird fucking maneuvers yeah. that you were like, what? Yeah. Like, yeah, that was Henry. It, he was it, cool. Yeah. It looked like borderline out of control, but he always had Yeah, it. yeah, yeah. yeah. Henry, good point, good point. All right, so moving on. This is more of like uh, we're gonna actually we should do a whole episode on like influences and like bring back the old memories. Yeah, that we'll do that be, later. On. I could talk about memories like that yeah, forever. Yeah, we, we should do that anyway. Uh, the next one: What have Helly's taught you about life, patience, perseverance, and how to diagnose and fix technical problems? Um. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you answer your own question, buddy. Yeah, I mean. What if Hilly's... The I'll problem tell you what is, taught me in my life, you want to know? Uh-huh. That there is a huge world full of drama out there. Oh, my God. And that there's lots of haters wow. and trolls. I wasn't going to go that direction, but yeah, you <laughs> nailed it. You nailed it. See, the problem for me is... Well, I'm talking about the negatives first, because I want to end it on a good note. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The problem for me is I don't know anything other than helis. Like, I never had a life and then got into helis. <laughs> never had a life. Like, I've always been in helis. But, I don't know. I think it's, like... Like, if you think about a rotor head, there's a lot of stuff going on up there that you got to be aware of. So there's a lot of mechanical things you got to watch out for and the bearings and thrust bearings and load and links and stuff. So I don't know, like, like working on helis is kind of giving me a technical and mechanical aspect of just things in general, of how things are built. I don't know. Um, I, you know, I, I went to college for computer science. 
Um, I was never a very mechanically inclined person. Like, even though, like, you know, I studied a lot of math and a lot of stupid shit and algebra and calculus and all this. Yeah. I was never very mechanically inclined. Like, I'm the kind of guy that, and I'm not afraid to say it, whatever, if you guys want to make fun of me. I never knew how to turn a wrench. I'm not the kind of guy that ever, like, when popped the hood of my car, oh, I have a problem. I'm going to change the spark plugs. Like, please. That was just not me. Mm -hmm. I'd rather just go and rent try to like build a new computer or fix a network yeah, or yeah, like yeah. mess with shit like that electronics and electrical yeah. stuff um and the hobby i feel like taught me a lot about mechanical stuff to mm -hmm. the point where like i've you know i'm able to like do a drawing of something or like obviously i have to i'm good at geometry because i had to take that was actually believe it or not an elective class in uh, uh, trigonometry in college but i i you know, I, I study that, but I never really applied it or used it because I was never mechanically inclined. So, like, working with bolts and nuts and screws and, like, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, it just, just kind of opened my mind to that. So, it did help mm -hmm. me a lot with that. Yeah. No no question, for yeah, sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, I, I'm kind of the same way. But, I don't know, it's hard to say because I've been around helis and mechanical stuff with my dad my entire life. But um one thing that has for sure helped me with is like electronic stuff is soldering an esc or soldering a battery learning about series and parallel and voltage and consumption and stuff like that like i would have never learned any of that without helis in my life like i've learned a lot of electronic and power related stuff through helis that i would have never known otherwise yeah i i knew how to solder because i did some soldering way back in the day with my computer some of my computer classes and things like that but never to the to the proficiency that I've developed with helicopters, like soldering batteries and mm -hmm. and 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 beyond helicopters, FPV, as much as I hate to say it because yeah. I despise it these days. But yeah. um, the the racing drones and things like that, there was so much soldering and soldering oh, on God. small boards. I've yeah. I've really improved my soldering skills and yeah. I understand what it takes, yeah. what type of solder to use, how to use it, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. all these things. So a lot of learning, a lot of learning yeah. technical skills that could translate into something else in life. For yeah, sure. absolutely. Yeah. The next part of this question. And the drama, and the drama. You learned a lot of drama. Yeah. yeah. So actually, I was going to go on, but we should actually. <laughs> we got to move on from the drama part. Yeah. 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 Well, you want to talk about that? I want to touch on it briefly because it kind of oh pertains to what you and I deal with every day. So um, at BK Hobbies, we have a website where people can open tickets uh, for sales requests and tech support requests. Yeah. And every now and again, with any piece of electronic, there can be an issue. Um, and what I've found is that sometimes people send an email not expecting a human to respond. And they write it in a way where they're not worried about people's emotions or feelings and kind of act in a more... What, what it, what like they send a very aggressive personal attack oh, yeah. message. Yeah. And through dealing with these messages, and I'm this is a very broad statement, but I think we probably get like... Anywhere, the minimum we get is probably 10 a day. The most I've seen is probably like 40 emails a day. So we go back and forth quite a bit, and some people are nice and some people are rude. So dealing with these emails and even phone calls, we get multiple phone calls a day. It's just kind of helped me learn to deal with nice people and then learn how to deal with people who are probably having a bad day or you know, not expecting someone with an actual personality to answer it. Yeah, you know? so yeah, I agree. There's that side of it. But... The next part of this question that I really, I want to get your opinion on is how to be a fair and honorable competitor, how to fail gracefully and how to win gracefully. What do you mean by a competitor? So like, what do you mean? Like, how do you not be a sore loser? It's Cause you have competed multiple times in helicopters and I've competed multiple times. Like when you, 
when you have seen someone break the rules and get away with it and still get a winning score, like how do you deal with that without getting upset? Yeah, I mean, that's a part of the hobby that it's, if we're talking about the negatives, we already outlined a couple of really good positives. But if we start talking about the negatives, that's a very, very true fact. Like, competition is the most ridiculous, Mm -hmm. unfair uh, thing that you can find in helicopters. And I don't want to generalize because there's some competitions where the winner is the freaking clear winner by a landslide, and it's obvious to anybody present there or watching yep. the video. Yep. Like, this is the winner. There's no question in my mind. Mm-hmm. But there there have been many others, right, where, I mean, here's a classic example, like Global 3D. And I don't want to discredit or say anything bad about um, the actual winner of Global 3D. Mm-hmm. Um, the kid is amazing. Uh, incredible-ass pilot. I mean, he flies circles around me while doing pirouetting TikToks and <laughs> reversing the tail. But Kampunoi, to me, had also incredible flights. Mm-hmm. So where do you draw the line? Why was he the winner? Right. Like, granted, I'm not a judge. I wasn't sitting there for every single flight. And I didn't see every single possible flaw because mm-hmm. my mindset was not into judging. was more into spectating. But that last flight that Campanoi did, I think God. it was Jesus Christ. I mean that that blew yeah. that blew everybody yeah. by a landslide out of the yeah. water. Yeah. I think he got points deducted because I think he hit the blades on the ground or something. He landed and the blades were delaminated something. and the judges re deducted some stuff. But my point is that it's like it's very it's it's a very subjective Yeah, so opinionated. It's so very opinionated. subjective. Yeah. And this is why RC cars is awesome because there's a freaking winner. Yeah. There's no other way. Yeah. Like you get there first, you're the winner. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. <laughs> yeah. But with helicopters it yeah. it it and it creates resentment against the system. Yes. And not necessarily against the other pilot, but against the system. And I'll give you a classic example. I don't I don't want to get into this because I want to start drama with like a good old friend of mine. But there was a year at XFC. I'm not going to give details. There was a year at XFC where I barely f- missed the finals. Mm-hmm. And when I showed up there the next day, a couple of the judges said, you should have been here and not those two guys. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to mention names, but it was like, well, then you, you, you're you a judge. You're a judge, yeah. yeah. What happened? And like when you hear that, it's like, really? It's very disturbing. And you feel deep inside. Because a lot of times, you, you know, I'm a good loser in the sense that when I lose, I know, God, that guy's better than me. Like, mm-hmm. I respect that. Yeah. And it's not because I'm inferior or because I'm stupid or dumber. It's because he probably put in more time and effort. Mm-hmm. Or maybe his reflexes are better. He's younger. He's got better eyesight. He has less things in the world to worry about, and he has a chance to progress faster than I do, and I respect that. So I don't take it personal, and I don't take it like as an insult, and I don't hate that pilot for being that good. Mm-hmm. But when you feel deep inside in your heart that your flight was as good as that other guy's, and yet you did not do better than the other guy, that's when I have a problem. Mm-hmm. And that... and. Granted, there's a lot. There's probably lots of pilots that feel that way, and it's not true. But if you truly, truly deep inside feel, and people come up to you and tell you, "Dude, you're not in the finals," yeah, like there's something wrong with the system. That yeah. tells you there's something wrong with the system. Yeah, because you, because a natural human perception and 
the human tendency to feel superior than you feel better than you are. Mm-hmm. It's called, you know, just, just not necessarily being stuck up, but th- your self-esteem yeah, yeah. might keep you from seeing that somebody else was better than you. Mm-hmm. But when several people come and tell you, why are you not there? Mm-hmm. That's when you start questioning, well, shit, mm-hmm. I really think I did that great. And I'm not the only one that feels that way. So mm-hmm. maybe I really did great. Mm-hmm. And maybe mm-hmm. I did better. Mm-hmm. So why am I not standing there? Mm-hmm. So, that is one negative aspect of the hobby is competition. As much as I've always believed that competition is a good driving force to grow the hobby because it encourages people to practice, to stay relevant, mm-hmm. to be competitive and observe and learn from others. And, and it's a driving force to have a, a disciplined practice schedule. Um, on the other hand, once you go through that competition, if it doesn't, if it doesn't feel fair or if it's not done accordingly or in a fair manner, mm-hmm. then it actually hurts the hobby because it discourages the competitor yeah. from coming back the following year. But it's so hard to do it in a fair way because it is, like you said, so subjective and so opinionated. Like pilot A could have a perfect flight, but pilot B's music was more favorable for the judges. So pilot B got a better score. Yeah. Because yeah, it's sure. just so, excuse me, so, so opinionated. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like, like, I guess I'm a good loser, just like Bert said, just because this is going to sound bad, but I've lost so many times. <laughs> the amount of competitions I've won compared to the amount of competitions I've been in is a, a very big difference. But I don't know. Like, I think it's it just helps you grow as a person to not to not win, to go out there and, like, expect to win and then not. Like, uh, Global 3D this year was kind of good for me to... Because I went into it thinking, like, yeah, I have a chance, and then showed up, and you watch, like, CD and Camp When I Fly, and you go, okay... Nope, <laughs> no chance of that. So, it's. I mean, A, it creates a goal of where I wanted to be. And B, it kind of helps give inspiration of, like, new stuff to do. Because those kids are flying 200 miles an hour, millimeters off the ground, and absolutely zero mistakes or issues or faults or bobbles or anything. So, I think it's, it's really cool. But how to be a fair and honorable competitor? I mean, I don't know. I just always did my best to follow the rules. And then if I saw someone break the rules... Um, just kind of hope that the organizers would notice it. Uh, don't make us think about it because that looks worse on you than it does on the committee. Wouldn't you agree? Like if someone crossed the line and got away with it, it looks worse for me to complain about it than for the committee to, you know. I saw, I, I'm not going to say anything, but I saw that this year very clearly at Global 3D and I was immediately shot down when I brought it to a judge's attention. Oh no, that didn't happen. Okay. Right. right. So it's just better to just kind of. Yeah. Let the committee and, make the decision they want to. And I did not see a clearly defined, like a, a an appointed uh, line judge that mm-hmm. was being uh, constantly right. by the line, watching right. the line. Right. So I remember back in the XFC days, we had line judges, and all they did is watch a freaking line. Mm-hmm. I didn't see that there. No, so. there was nothing. But, I mean, it is it is what it is. How to fail gracefully? Um, this is going to sound bad, but go into it expecting a failure and your hopes won't get let down. God, that sounds really negative, but, (laughs) (laughs) uh, I've definitely had some competition flights going out there with a lot of motivation and a high ego and then have it explode (laughs) or have, uh, some sort of failure that you're not expecting. And you just, you just got to keep it internal. Don't make a big scene about it and just prepare yourself for the next flight because, uh, Murphy's Law, if something can go wrong, it will. So you just kind of got to get over it and uh, try and clear your mind for the next one. Yeah. 
Wouldn't you agree? Because you, you can prepare and practice 200 flights at home. But as soon as you hit go on the competition flight, that one link that you didn't change is definitely going to let go. Yeah, no doubt. It's no the doubt. worst. One thing that Helly's taught me also is like how to teach people. Oh, yeah. How to teach. Yeah, Patience sure. and teaching. Yeah. Because I was I was a beginner at some point in time. You, you don't remember when you were a beginner, but I do remember it very clearly. I was a, a newbie and a beginner, and I was struggling with certain dumb things that weren't hard, but you just don't know. And when you don't know, it's not like there's, it's not like there's a book, everything about helicopters. That would be kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. But there isn't. So um, I had a lot of help back in the day. So I remember my days as a complete newbie and like teaching is something that became sort of natural because of helicopters. Because I could, the, I think the most important thing about teaching, I think the hardest thing and the most important thing about teaching is you have got to teach to where people understand. Yeah. And when you assume they know what you're talking about and you start, you know, spitting out words and just saying this and that and they don't have any clue what you're saying and you're mm-hmm. screw, like you're just not doing them a favor. Mm-hmm. But when you can relate to what they feel like, because you still remember what that felt like back in the day. You've been there, yeah. And you say RPM, and like RPM sensor, and they don't know what the hell is an RPM sensor, but you assume they already know. So when you plug the RPM sensor to the government, like, and they don't, you have to put yourself, depending yeah. on the level of the person you're teaching, yeah. but you have to relate to the level they're in, mm-hmm. ask questions, discuss, talk, shoot the shit with the dude for a while mm-hmm. and see where he's at. And then you got to transport yourself back to those days when uh-huh. you were at that level and be yep. like, okay, yep. this thing right here is, 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 we call them the sensor. This is what reads the RPM. And mm-hmm. like, yeah. it's, it, you, you got to explain things. So mm-hmm. relating, like teaching, like, cause I, like, I talked to a lot of people when I started Smack Talk with Bobby. Yeah. Um, and offense to Bobby, I love the kid to death and he's awesome with what he did. But one difference between me and Bobby is I would go and ask people, questions about their experience with helicopters and how they learn and because i wanted to be more immersed and more more in tune with the natural progression of the learning curve so when i spoke on a video i knew how stupid i had to make it or how advanced i had to make it right Mm -hmm. how how easy or how difficult yeah depending on the audience and the topic at hand right Right. so that's one thing the helicopters taught me it's just it's how to teach how to how to listen how to observe how to teach depending on the audience like there's audiences that knew better that were already very advanced and they Mm -hmm. just wanted to learn beer flips okay Mm -hmm. but there were audiences that just wanted to learn engine tuning but it was their first nitro yeah it's a huge difference in how you approach those two different kinds of audiences yeah i've seen that a lot because people will pm me or email me for like uh, fly bar that's set up and I'll give them I'll be like alright well turn your P gain to this they'll be like what's that how do I find that what does a P gain even yeah. do Yeah. like there's a lot of stuff that people have no clue, no clue about, about. Yeah. but it's in their radio and they just gotta figure Correct. it out so just Correct. try and break things down to a level that people will understand yeah. but no doubt I'm gonna skip order a little bit uh, so we, skip yeah so we end on a positive note but um, so I think it's no secret that the hobby is declining in a sense. Another negative topic. No, but we're going to make it a positive one. So the hobby is clearly in a decline. I have said many times, I have a prediction and okay. I hope to God, I hope to, I honestly, I, I, I hate for those that don't like the God to be brought up into a conversation, but I hope to God all wholeheartedly and honestly that I am wrong in my prediction. Mm-hmm. 
But the same way that I said earlier that Nitro is an extension, mm -hmm. there's still people that are hardcore Nitro people. You have Ron Kors, you have Scott Graham, you mm -hmm. got Nitro's freaking an extension is mm -hmm. practically dead. When you compare Nitro to the rest of the hobby, mm -hmm. RC helicopter hobby market, mm -hmm. Nitro is probably 5%, if not less. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. And in the same fashion that is difficult to find an OS8 plug or it is impossible to buy a Hattori pipe and you can only get a couple different engines where you could get five or six before in that same way I feel like the hobby's headed I feel like the hobby let me rephrase that the hobby's headed in the same direction of Nitro mm -hmm. and I hope again I hope to God I'm wrong in my prediction but I predict that in five years there's not going to be five or six premium online retailers there might be one and the parts might be scarce and there's not going to be 15 manufacturers there's some new manufacturers coming into the market that are ruining it for everybody else and some of them are owned by wealthy people mm -hmm. and i just don't know what's going to happen with the real companies that are trying to survive like matt namey bodos mm -hmm. like us versus mm -hmm. Susie cameron and kyle stacy like mm -hmm. what's going to happen with that i'm already seeing hobby shops close their doors disappear there's no new blood mm -hmm. okay and that's what worries me yeah and and again i hope i'm wrong maybe i'm wrong maybe there will be a switch or a swift or a change mm -hmm. um so the question is and and we don't even know how long bk hobbies is going to stay in business for i mean i hope for a long time but yeah. we don't know yeah. because it's an extremely there's a lot of uncertainty on the market mm -hmm. so bring in your topic because it's very very uh a very good point to try to we need all need to yeah save the hobby yeah and when we said keep rc heli keep rc helis alive use the tag guys this is not i had a long discussion and argument with a good old friend of mine <laughs> that did not believe in the hashtag this hashtag is not to take to a an elementary or a school or a middle school or high school or to take it to your local football game because nobody gives a shit or cares what RC helicopters are and show, telling them that they're dying and you need to keep them alive is not a way to solve the problem. Right. This is just to create awareness within our tight niche market, our tight group of RC helicopter pilots mm -hmm. to make the hobby come back. Right. 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 Absolutely. This general topic uh, really strikes a chord with me because it is exactly what I went through when I was younger. And it's, like you said, with the uh, the issue of no new blood, I think the best way for new blood is to have kids uh, get into the hobby and have kids be passionate about model aviation. Because every event I go to, I usually see new like middle-aged adults getting into it, which is cool because they have uh, the finance to invest into the hobby. But, you know, there's a lot of distractions in life. There's family, there's work there's just you know uh the learning the learning curve of it all so i think it's really really important to try and bring kids into it whether you have uh cousins or nephews or nieces or brothers or sisters or whatever it is i think kids kids will absolutely be the future of this hobby uh and then how to get them started just the way the way that i think my dad went about it was probably the best way you could uh he never really pushed me to do it he said, hey, this is what I do. Uh, if you want to come with me, you can check it out. I mean, at the age of two, he didn't say that, obviously. But uh, I've just... Well, at the age of two, you had no choice. It would just take you to yeah. the field with them, yeah. Yeah, but as I got older, around five or six, I mean, my dad is the guy that I hung out with all the time. Like, that was... I mean, I just loved hanging out with my dad. So 
I go, I was with him at the field, you know, voluntarily when I had a choice from the age of five until, you know, I moved away from New York. So just seeing him do it and, ha- and watching him have fun with his friends and, you know, his flying buddies coming over to the house for dinner and then they would wrench in the basement. Like it was just the camaraderie and then the challenge of learning to fly. Um, but, you know, the the aviation side of things has changed so much since back then because companies like DJI have come out and activities like FPV racing has come out where all you have to do is push a button and the thing takes off and flies the circle and comes back and takes video and that's all well and good, but I just think there's just such an attractive side of flying in either an airplane or a helicopter that we really need to bring kids into. And I don't know the way to do it, but like if you are someone who flies and you have a niece, nephew, cousin, brother, sister, whatever, just just show them a video or bring them to the field one day and just show them what it's all about because you might just... We've got to get new blood involved. Yeah, you might just get get new blood involved. Yeah, I think kids are the future, 100%. When you look at the... When you look at... You know, look at the hobby years ago, like there was a time, right, when you had the Bantas. Yes. Father and son. Yep. Tyler. Yep. Tyler Banta. You had you and your dad. Mm-hmm. Jamie and Jim Robertson. Jamie and Jim Robertson. Mm-hmm. Kyle and uh, Dave. Dave Dole. Mm-hmm. Uh, John and Justin Cook came a little later, but mm-hmm. there you had it. Uh, Zach Johnson, his dad. Zach Johnson, his dad. That's yep. even before. Mm-hmm. What was the name of that kid that was from Florida? Uh Davis. Kyle Davis. Kyle Davis and his dad. Mm-hmm. Uh, they hang together too. Justin G. Uh, Justin G and his dad. I just I just brought up eight names because mm-hmm. I'm counting with my hands. Um, who's the other one? Uh, there were a lot. There were a lot. Alan and his dad because Alan started with Alan Sr. Rest yeah. in peace. Yeah. So And Danny's in. Uh, and Danny. Danny, Alan, and, mm-hmm. and Alan Sr. Yeah. Um, I mean, I can think of 10 to 15 mm-hmm. uh, dad dad and son, son and dad or whatever teams mm-hmm. that used to frequent events and go to this and go to that is gone. Yeah, Who's out right. there now? The John only, and Justin are the only ones. The only one I can think of, and they're in Australia, is Reese and Murray Wyatt. Uh, it's the, the guys from Australia. They come to the events over here. They fly for a line, but... I think Reese, I don't know how old he is anymore. I want to say I'm sorry, I forgot about Alex and Alex. Oh, from Genovese. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's a few, but it's but, not like but, back in the day when it was like no, all the time no. they were popping up. And the problem is when these, these, most of these kids, when you think about it, are older now. Yeah. Like even Justin, Justin Cook. We just watched the video today where he looked like he was seven. Yeah. But now he's, what, 16, 16 17? 17? He's already driving. Yeah. So what's going to happen in another five years? Justin's going to tell that dad, dad, screw, screw you, goodbye. I'm going <laughs> to the field, and John might still show up and I'm go sure around will, because yeah. you know I'm we're sure. good friends with John. John's not going to like skip the hobby, yeah. and disappear. But he might not be as involved as right. a father and son team because Justin is going to start doing his own wrenching. Yep. Another one I forgot is is the the, the Montes, You know, mm-hmm. Chris and mm-hmm. and uh, and Mike, mm-hmm. M- Mike and Chris Amanti. Same situation. They're older now. They're, 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 you know, Chris is, I think, over 18 right now. I think think he's 19. 19? So one day, I mean, Mike Damonte enjoys the the camaraderie and going to the clubs and helping people. He loves ranching for people. He's a super nice guy. But what happens when these kids grow much older and they they get into their mid-20s or whatever, if they still stay in the hobby, right. they're not going to hang father-son type thing anymore like that, right? Right. 
So what's the next generation of that? Because the generations kept changing. Because back in the day, it was Zach Johns with his dad. It was you and your dad. You know, it was whatever. Then the next generation I consider was like Jim Jim Robertson and, and Jamie. Mm-hmm. Because they, it's not that they were younger or anything like that. But they came into the hobby as a team, father-son team in the active circuit years after you guys did. Right. And the same with Kyle Dahl, because the right. first time Kyle Dahl got into some kind of competition, the first time I ever saw Kyle Dahl was that with Dave, was in Las Vegas, I believe in 2008. Mm-hmm. So that's 11 years ago. That's There was another generation, there was another group of dads, son and dads before that, right? Yeah. So, But we haven't seen that next generation come up. Right. Where is it? I don't know. I, I really, it's not there. It doesn't I exist. I, it's... Is it because kids are more into video games now, or they're all smoking pot with their friends, or what is changing? I I don't know what it is, but I think I think if there's anyone out there with a son or a daughter, uh, no matter the age, doesn't matter if they're two, if they're seven, or whatever, just introduce them to it, bring them to the field, uh, put them on the simulator. My dad got me a simulator when I was five or six, and that one hundred percent is the the reason that I still do it now is because I can find the simulator, crash, and learn and progress that way. Yeah, without breaking stuff. So, not easy. No, it's it's, uh, it's not, and it's it's, it, it's not. I'm just gonna sound really bad, but I think kids these days like instant gratification and instant reward. And learning to fly is not that. It's a very steep learning curve. Uh, there's a lot of failures before you get a success. A lot of crashes and all that before you can learn to hover, right? So, yeah, I don't know. It's tough. It's tough. No I think it's important. Nieces, nephews, brothers, sisters. Bring them so, out the field. we need to find kids. How do we find kids, Kyle? How do you find the kids? Um, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe if... If you guys are in the hobby, if you guys are in the hobby and you have children, obviously you can't force them. Like, I'm not a father, but I have a stepson that is practically my son. I raised that kid since the time he was nine. Mm-hmm. I love him like my own kid. He never had an interest in helicopters. Never. Yeah. And I could have... I, I mean, for a while, he was trying to fly some blade things and some stupid, like, Hirobo Lama things. Yeah. But he never really had an interest in, like... He wanted to wrench and learn how to wrench, but never had an interest in the hobby as a whole. Right. And I just didn't want to, like force them to right. but if your kids have any remote remote interest in it encourage it yes. make it happen seriously bring it, it helps the hobby and it keeps them from the streets it keeps them from smoking pot it keeps <laughs> them from freaking Drinking. playing dumb video games yeah. Inter- it teaches them social interaction with other people including adults yeah a lot of the interaction will be with adults and as you guys know all the adults in the hobby are all good people mm-hmm. there's there's just it's just a good old environment yeah. where they learn to communicate they learn the, the technical aspects of something they'll learn electrical stuff they'll learn electronic stuff they'll learn mm-hmm. uh, mechanical stuff mm-hmm. uh, they'll learn you know spatial orientation like hand and eye coordination yeah it's just it's it's a win-win yeah absolutely another thing that i just thought of is someone we know angel rojas just went to an elementary school and uh he did a demo for an elementary school class so out of the 30 kids if one or two of them bit the bug or got the bug sorry got bit by the bug and want to learn to fly that's better than not doing it at all. that's cool the problem with that is like not not saying anything negative like that's awesome that angel did that that's like great like i commend him for that but the issue i have with that is like you're 
doing, you're showing the stuff to the kids, and the kids have no say in what to do with their lives. Right. So unless their parents are involved in in one way or another, right? Mm-hmm. It. I feel like the most potent advertising you could do to helicopters is like to go to a school mm-hmm. the day their parents are around. Yeah. So like the teachers is like, okay, parents, we need you here. Because these guys are going to do a demo of something that your kids might like. like. Mm-hmm. But even then, it's tough because if the parents do not like it or do not approve of it, the parent has to be... The parent has to take an interest. The parent in has to be hooked yeah. on it to some degree. Has yeah. to take an interest. Correct. Yeah. So it's tough, man. It's it's really it's difficult. Tough. It's, it's it, tough. It's such a niche thing. You can't just buy it and be good at it the next day. So No. Yeah. I still stand by that kids are the future. So <laughs> if we can find any kids that... Um, want to do it if you guys have any suggestions for us maybe there's something that we could be doing to help kids get into it definitely reach out to us and let us know but uh yeah bringing new people the younger generation into the hobby is the only way that it will continue right yeah all right so the last thing uh that i do want to go over is we have an event coming up december 5th through the 8th the out of the torches field it's the winter bash the Winter Bash, we've talked about it for the last few podcasts, but now we're closing in on the Winter Bash. Well, thank God that you and I are advertising this event, because if it wasn't for the main event coordinator, organizer, CD, and brain, and brain of the brain of the event, this would never get promoted, ever. Right, right, right. right so, right. you're very welcome, Gator, for doing your shameless plug on your behalf. Yeah. He's a delegator. He's a delegator. <laughs> the best delegator in the world. So, December 5th through the 8th. Out of the Torches Field in Ocoee, Florida, where there's going to be the uh, Winter Bash. Uh, we're putting on a very fun event. We have some uh, good prizes coming in now. I think we're up to like 60-something pre-registrations. Uh, BK Hobbies is giving away stuff in the pre-registration. We did a video on Bird's Page, a couple of videos now, uh, giving away stuff to the people who pre-register. If you know you're coming to the event, please, please, please pre-register. You save yourself some money, you get a t-shirt, and a chance to win some cool stuff. Yeah, so let me say something. So for all of you guys that are familiar with Orlando and helicopter events, Carrie and I started the Orlando Helicopter Blowout. Carrie who? Carrie Shirley. Thank you. And myself. Started the Orlando Helicopter Blowout in 2008. We had a really good run of 10 years. The last year of the Orlando Helicopter Blowout was in 2009. And then, uh, 2000, sorry, (laughs) we started in 2008, and the last year was 2017. Um, Uh And then we gave up the event simply because the way that the event had been shaped up, the the event became this massive, crazy, large event, um, you know, club-wise event. I mean, you can't compare it to, like, an Urcha or something. But, you know, I think at the peak year we had almost 400 pilots and like 2,000 spectators. I mean, it grew to be something massive. And it got to the point where we realized the hobby is starting to go down. So we're just going to like call it quits and let the club run their own event. Mm-hmm. And uh, Mike Gator, Gator, the president of the club, alongside, no, the vice president at the time, yeah, alongside sorry. Bobby Watts, who yep. was the president, run the first Torches Winter Bash. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was held in 2000. 18. Yep. So this is the second annual Torches Winter Bash. And it's, again, like Kyle said, being held in Okoy, Florida, yep. December 5th through the 8th. Here's the thing, like Kyle said, if you are coming, if you're, first of all, you have to come. Well, let me start from scratch. You have to come. <laughs> it's stupid. Why the hell wouldn't you come? 
What's the point? Yeah. Why not? Uh, if I you're mean, in some freaking town in Illinois or Wyoming or Wisconsin like Ryan Zano freezing his balls off, <laughs> why would you not come to where the weather is going to be 70 degrees? Yeah. And the weather's going to be cold, Kyle. Very cold. Well, relatively speaking. Uh, 73 degrees for the high, 55 oh. for the low. Ah. Oh. So. Freezing. Bring a sweater, a pair of shorts, and some flip-flops, and calm down to Florida. So. Now that you've made your decision to come down to Florida, because mm. Burke Hammer told you you had to come down to Florida, <laughs> then the next step is to register. How do you register? You go to torches.org. T-O-R. It's not E. It's not torches. It's a screwed up name. It's T-O-R-C-H-S dot org. Mm-hmm. The Orlando Radio Control Helicopter Society dot mm-hmm. org. Mm-hmm. Don't use a phone. It's a piece of junk website it was designed for <laughs> by a seven-year-old that was still learning his html my god um but if you use a laptop or some kind of computer or use the full the, the keys you have to use the regular desktop site maybe you can use your phone and mm-hmm. trick it into thinking it's not a phone yeah on the lower left hand side it says tort uh, uh winter bash registration just pre-register why would you want to pre-register a lot of reasons mm-hmm. number one cheaper yeah, 40 uh, bucks. For all cheapskates out there, it's not 45, it's 40. But here's the catch. It's 40 with a free t-shirt. Mm-hmm. When you show up and you show up at the door, it's 45, no t-shirt. And the t-shirt is going to be like, I don't know, 10, 15 bucks. Yeah. So you're going to be en- end up spending 55 to 60. Here you can spend 40 and get the t-shirt and be guaranteed your size because you can enter the size of the t-shirt there. So number one, you have to pre-register, mm-hmm. period. Number two, the, uh, the sorry, you you save money on you save money and you get a free T-shirt. Number three, you get you, you it's priority check-in. Mm-hmm. It's not like you have to like stand in line and wait. You, we're gonna have all your paperwork. Everything's gonna be ready. Boom, yep. off you go. You get your wristband. You're ready to yeah. party. And um, I'm gonna be an asshole because I like to be so. But you know, in no the last way. few years of Urcha, right? Um, I've I've talked about this with the Urcha board a few times. There are people that go to Urcha that don't register and they go fly. That's the worst, man. Don't do that. Don't be that guy. It happens a lot. I know. There's like a group of like, I don't know, stupid, like 50 people that go to Urcha and they don't register. That's pretty sad. And I know this happened to us with the winter bash last year. Yep. So it's not going to happen this year. Nope. So if you guys are not registered, we're going to hunt you down and Mm -hmm. we're going to kick you out of the field. Mm -hmm. And I'm sorry to be such an asshole, but like, please, it's like $40. And it helps our club. Our club, like our club membership is like $100 a year. And we have like, we're down to like 40 members. Yeah. So our entire club's entire year revenue is like $4,000. Yeah. And we have expenses. So all this does is it helps the club. That's all it does. Well. We're not like profiting. Nobody's like going to buy a vehicle with it or like, please. The big thing... Besides that, another thing that I can think of is it's an insurance policy as well. Well, that too, It yeah. proves that you have AMA because we do not own this field that we're at. We're very lucky that the was it Winter Garden slash Okoye let us be there. So if something happens and you're not covered by AMA, then our field is done. Goodbye. See ya. So yeah. please, just seriously, guys, just register. You're going to get a wristband. You need to wear the wristband. We're going to be checking that. Trust me, we will be checking that. This year, we'll be checking that. We will Absolutely. be checking that. Yeah. Uh, and you must have an active AMA or else goodbye. Yeah, it's very And uh, if you do go to the website, I just noticed enough of the bitching and preaching and all this. 
the point of the matter is we want you guys to come because yeah. it's going to be a hell of a good time. We're all going to freaking have fun in the sun, in yeah. Florida, in yeah. the winter, when everybody else is miserable. Yeah. We're going to be flying helicopters. We're going to have some good food. We're going to listen to some good music, White watch snake. some amazing flights. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and, and. Yeah. I mean, there's too many ends. Yeah. So, what? <laughs> make it happen. Something I just noticed, if you go on the website, it has the address, but the address is spelled wrong. Uh, it's 4225 Okoe Apopka Road. What does it say? 4225 Oki Apopka Road. So. Yeah, I'm telling you, the website is a piece of junk. Yeah. But the re- pre-registration works because we've yes. gotten a lot of pre-registrations, yes. but yes. we need more. We need yes. more. Because yes. historically, we only get about 40% of the total attendance in pre-registrations. Mm-hmm. We want to see more like 60 to 80% of the, the attendance in pre-registrations. Yes. Plus, again, you get the T-shirt. It's, yeah. It makes our lives easier. It makes your lives easier. Yeah. It's just, just, just do it. Do yeah. it. Do yeah. it. Do it. So to to talk about the Winter Bash, uh, let's talk about Byron Fields because they can kind of go hand in hand. Uh, no, they're shameless plug, man. This podcast it's is the fine. shameless plug. But it's helping people. It's fine. It's All right, go fine. for it. Go for it. So BK Hobbies will soon be receiving a relatively... Monday. Sh- Monday. Monday. Yeah. BK Hobbies are receiving a shipment of Byron Fuels, 22.5%. Yeah, it's the, not 30. It's not right, 15. It's not. Yeah. No. It is one of the best fuels that you can put through any OS 105 no, engine. I disagree. It's the best. Okay. It is an incredibly, incredibly solid fuel. The Byron Fuels, 22.5%. I ran this for years. It runs absolutely fantastic. And BK Hobbies will be getting it. However... The thing with it is we will not be shipping it because it's a hazmat fee and all that. So if you're coming to the Winter Bash and you need 22.5%... It's not cost-effective. Um, it's not about us. We can charge people the hazmat. I don't think it's fair for people to pay that much money. So we will give people a really good deal on this on on, on this fuel. Yep. Um, a little bit above our cost. Of course, we have to make a little bit of money, but it'll leave, believe it or not, very little above yep. our cost. And you can get... Either we will sell it in either two gallons uh-huh. or one case. We really can't split it into single gallons because it, it's, it just gets, it's too difficult. It's a hassle, yeah. So, but you can buy two gallons or you can buy yeah. a case. So we're getting some in. And uh, according to the BK Highways website, if you want to reserve it ahead of time for that, you're more than welcome to. Uh, the price for a case of fuel is one forty nine ninety nine. No, 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 no. Not at the event. It's cheaper the event. Yeah. Oh well, thank you. I made that executive decision. Thank you for letting me know about this. Yeah. Well, sorry. What's the What's the prices then? At the event for a case. Yeah. For a case, they can pay 120 bucks. 120 bucks for a case of. No, no, no. Hold on. No, no. My bad. 35 a gallon for a case. Well, I almost gave it away below my cost. (laughs) Uh, 140. 140. 140. Okay, so 140 bucks to get yourself a case of Byron Fuels, 22.5%. Only 22.5%. Please know that going into this. But, yeah. If you don't... You don't don't have to reserve it. Like, it would be very helpful if if you're listening to this, you're coming, and you want to shoot us an email and say, hey, I want a case or I want two gallons. Yeah. Shoot us an email. Um, either do it to my personal, I'd rather you do it through the business, but you could do my bird at camera, the name, mm-hmm. or you could do, uh, uh, sales at bkhobbies.com mm-hmm. and let us know, Hey, I'm coming in. I want a case, yep. but, um, let me think. Yeah, it's, it's one forty. That's like, this is already heavily discounted online. All right. So one forty for a case. And, uh, if you want, uh, it, 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 it's the same price. If you want two gallons, it'll be seventy bucks, mm-hmm. nice. seventy or one forty. Nice. So it's basically thirty five dollars a gallon. That's a great deal. Which is a lot cheaper than most retailers. We're doing it. Um, 
because again, we want we we really want to help the hobby. Mm-hmm. Most retailers are charging forty eight, fifty, fifty two, forty seven. We're charging thirty five dollars a gallon mm-hmm. just to get this to you. Um, I wholeheartedly believe this is the best fuel ever made. Um, period. I yeah. mean, there's no question. Now you might have a question and say, "Well, I want fifteen percent. I want thirty percent." Listen, the this this fuel uses a uh, oil package manufactured by Clots. And for all of you that don't know Clots, Clots is like a, a, an oil company that makes oil packages for racing, for NASCAR, and so forth. It's incredibly high-end, super-duper awesome, very well-researched, made, mm-hmm. perfect oil. Mm-hmm. You can't get any better oil than this. Excellent. Your engine lasts longer, runs better. Mm-hmm. So the nitro content is relative. We did 22 and a half because it's the most pop. It's it's the best oil con- It's Sorry, nitro. It's the best nitro content for an OS 105, mm-hmm. but it still works with an OS 91. Mm-hmm. It still works with an OS 55. Mm-hmm. It still works with a YS 91. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you might have to richen a little bit or whatever, but you might get just maybe 1% less power than 30% if mm-hmm. you're running a 91. Mm-hmm. But it's so, it's, it's, it's the best, it's, it's the best balance. Yeah. Um, that works for everyone, right? Absolutely. It's a yeah. great fuel. Yeah. Uh, and if you're driving to the event and you don't want to pay shipping, if you're going to buy it from a different store online, perhaps, you get a great deal on fuel and you save on shipping. Yeah. Well, if you want to drive it home. So. Or if you just want two gallons because you're going to fly at the event. Yep. Yeah. And you, you're flying into the event and you, you're bringing a nitro and you want to fly at the event. Mm-hmm. Minimum is two gallons. Not a big deal. You can, mm-hmm. I mean, 14 flights. 15 yep. flights on a 700. Or maybe you're coming with a friend and you know you, you guys want a gallon apiece. You just buy the two-gallon pack. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, shameless plug slash shameless plug. At least it's <laughs> Uh, you have anything else you want to talk about? No, I think we're way over our time limit. Are we? We got some stuff left to do today. Oh my god, yeah. Yeah. An hour and 25, are you serious? That's good though, because we haven't done it in four weeks, so... Rob Winter wants longer episodes? Well, there you go, Rob Winter. You are welcome. You want to wrap it up? No need, Rob Winter. You want to wrap it up? No need. Huh? No need. I have Rob Winter's radio. (laughs) Why is that? I don't know. Just you wanted white because I'm not gonna get into that. Okay, here we go. So, thank you everybody for listening. I really appreciate it. We both appreciate it. This was episode number fifty-two. 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 Shit. Really? It's pretty lame. Fifty-two. If we did one every single week, we wouldn't just for a year. But we've been doing this for like two years now. So we've been slacking for the last like freaking three months. But anyway. This was 52. Yep. I thought, I hope you enjoyed it. Yeah. You can reach us collectively at facebook.com slash the BK official or Instagram, Instagram.com slash or whatever Instagram thing. Search it. The BK official. Yeah. I am personally available at facebook.com slash Bert RC or Instagram at Bert underscore camera. And my personal email, not for business-related items, but still for helicopter-related stuff, mm-hmm. is bert at camerer.name. Mm-hmm. If you want to follow me, you can follow me at facebook.com slash kylestacyrc. If you need to reach out to me, reach out at kylestacyrc at gmail.com. 
Same thing goes for business. If you have an issue with our product, please reach out to us via the proper channels. Um, this is bkdsupport.com. Correct. bkdsupport.com. Yes. Sales questions, technical support, whether Everything. it is about BK Servo, Switchover Blaze, Xnova Motors, SAB, uh, Hobby Wing, Mikado, anything you purchase from anything. us. Yep. Um, just go there. Yeah. I'm happy to help you out, but uh, that's about it. Yep. That's all Thank you, everybody. Thank you. We'll see you at the Winter Bash in eight days? Is it eight days? Eight days. No. Yep. God. Make it to the Winter Bash. Pre-register. See you in eight days. Happy Thanksgiving. Bye. Yeah.